Welcome to Mike Needs a Plan, the show that I've named for the fact that I'm still trying to figure this thing out. And if you're living this life right, you should be too. And I've got somebody who's been figuring out for a long time here. We've got the David Roden here with us today. What's happening? What's happening? What's cooking good looking? I want to start this show with one simple noise. Oh, see, I already opened mine. So, and I'm already, I've already, I'm a third into this one and I have an extra one next to me just in case. Well, I mean, we'll be here for a little while, so you might have time to open it. We are both drinking, for those of you, I mean, no one can see this because we're not actually using the video. This is a Diet Sprite, zero sugar. Yate. And um, you are sort of well known for drinking zero sugar sodas. Oh, it's a... It's a war. It's a, I, I, I went into the fire too. I did. I I don't know if you've ever seen that podcast I did a few months ago, um, with a guy who was on the big who was on Big Brother. His name's like Zach something, and he became a life coach. And hey, more power. He's done it. He's done an, uh, an Iron Man. He's done some really cool things. Mm-hmm. He knows nothing about nutrition. He knows nothing about fitness. And he's a generalized life coach, but since he was on Big Brother, it's uh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, him. I he came into one of my podcast or he came into one of my TikTok lives one time, and he was just making some snarky comments. And then he was like, "Hey, man, come on my podcast." And I'm like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> and I get on this podcast, and you don't understand, man. Trying to educate somebody on moderation and uh, and how like toxicity is in the dosage like the damage comes from the dosage and everything everything Mm -hmm. nothing is inherently good for you or bad for you it's completely dose dependent and like trying to explain that to someone who i'm not kidding you he literally goes he went to a grocery store one time and one of his videos was he pulled out a uh, flintstones multivitamin chewable and it says like number one pediatrician recommended and he (laughs) he goes he pulls, he goes to the back of it and goes, I don't know what half of these words mean. There's no way this is the number one pediatrician uh, uh, supported multivitamin. I don't even know what these words mean. And I'm just sitting there going, all right, I'm about to be talking to somebody for 30 minutes trying to explain illiteracy is not a good argument for, for health. Like, Are you going to be talking at someone for 30 minutes? It's what's going to happen because you're going to tear them apart. It was brutal. It was brutal. And then he turned it into his he, – he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He Instead of just being objective, he got his little clickbait 30-second video mm-hmm. of me saying that drinking um, uh, 30 cans of diet soda a day is healthy because depends on what your definition of healthy is, on aspartame, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It was a uh, – yeah. And then, he got yeah. you. You're still on probation for that. You know, it's funny. So, yeah, but, we are both drinking aspartame right now, and we're both down a collective, what, 300-something pounds? Shit, I'm down. I'm down. Well, I mean, I just finished a bulk, but I'm down 200 pounds of body fat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're 200. I'm 110, and this doesn't do anything to you. Not cancer, not obesity, nothing. I mean, it tastes pretty good. That's that's pretty it much does. it. I, I gotta say, I had not had a zero sugar Sprite before this, and I Sprite used to be my favorite when I was yep. drinking six cans of soda at night, and I just had not switched over to the diet soda. I don't know why I didn't. And this tastes exactly the same i was shocked dude it's so good i mean mm-hmm. the, the one that got me was i had um uh zero sugar mountain dew for the first time in a long mm-hmm. time and i'm like that's good it was super good i don't even like the taste of regular pop anymore man it's just too much it's just too sweet too much mm-hmm. like there's almost like a little burn to it almost i'm like i'm good did you like it a lot before when you were heavy no no that's okay. what's funny uh 400 pound me 
I didn't, I was still drinking diet sodas even at 400 mm-hmm. pounds, um, which oh, is really? why I actually went through a phase that I thought diet soda is bad for you. After I'd, mm-hmm. I got on this, like, cause I've been down 200 pounds for a decade and like the original three years, the fat loss phase, I went through a little bit of zealotry. I went through some diet culture. I went through that world. We have to. Um, yeah, it, it happens. And I stopped drinking diet soda because I thought at one point in time that was adding to my obesity because I was drinking 15 to 20 Diet Cokes a day at 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I I drank so many that my dad's a cardiologist. I almost talked him into putting a fountain Diet Coke machine in our house because I showed it was going to save us money. <laughs> and Pretty ruthless. Now, uh, talk about who your dad is real quick because yeah. this, this is significant to your story. Oh, 100%. Like that's that's always the funniest part. My dad's a he's retired now, but he's an interventional cardiologist. Um so he was the guy who basically saved your life when you had a heart attack. If you had a heart attack, he's the one that would do the procedure to save your life. Um and so yeah, I grew up in medicine. My mom's a nurse. I was an EMT at the beginning of college. Um I was planning on going to med school myself at 400 pounds pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I <laughs> It's funny. You can know exactly what you're doing to yourself and do it anyways. Like mm-hmm. that's why there's quite a few overweight doctors. There's quite a few doctors that still smoke cigarettes. There's still like mm-hmm. I still shit that happened. That's the, that's where the wellness side of things does have good argumentative points on traditional medicine because like traditional medicine has no balance, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the biggest things. My dad, my dad mm-hmm. worked 80 hours a week for 35 years, every week, 80 hours, 80 hours, 80 huge hours. And then you just don't get balanced. Like there's no, there's no work-life balance. There's nothing like that. And so that's why a lot of doctors are unhealthy because they have no fucking balance. Not a, you can have all the right information Mm -hmm. and it's all the same. Like I, I grew up in a very healthy household. My parents are in better shape than I am at this point because they've got some years on me of being healthier. And like, so I had that good influence around me. And it still didn't do anything. Once I got my own money, got out of the house, I was able to buy all the food that I wanted. I was able to buy all of the uh, the, the bad food that I wanted. Not like yep. it was. I had plenty of good food there, but it wasn't the exciting food that we wanted. Yep. You know. <laughs> so you were big as a kid, I guess, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I okay. weighed over three hundred pounds by the time I was like fourteen. Um, yeah, I was. I would say the the weight started packing on when I was like. When I look at pictures, probably like eight, eight to ten was when it real eight eight to eight ish was when it really started compounding, um, and it and the whole thing was like, this is always an interesting one when it comes to uh, being significantly overweight, like tra- family trauma, abuse, all this kind of stuff. They can definitely play a role in like into people's situations. But it isn't an ha- it's not a have to. Like that's always the interesting part to me. Like this is what drives me nuts is when people use the trauma word all the time and stuff. It's like it sounds like it's somewhat similar to you. There was no trauma. It was just no. I just made poor decisions and before mm-hmm. I knew it, I was way behind the eight ball. Like that's yeah. that's my 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 dad worked eighty plus hours a week, so I didn't really have that masculine figure to say, No, you're not doing that. And my mom loved me to death, and her way of showing love was to always say yes. And when your dad's a cardiologist making the money was, what do you, what does every 10 year old want food and video games? Mm-hmm. And I was never told no, like that, that's it. And then before you know it, I was 300 pounds by the time I was like 14. And then you get so trapped with food and, and you get so hooked on it. Then you hit 350, 400. 
And then you create a poor relationship with food and you feel so trapped at that size. That's the biggest thing. Like Mm -hmm. you just see how far you have to go and how far gone you are. And you're like, there's no fucking way. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, People end up carrying that for decades. And like you and I will both get older people who come in who have been big for decades. And they'll say, well, it's, it's harder for older people to lose weight. How do you feel about that? No, it's bullshit. I yeah. actually had this in my live, and uh, and then some some. This goes with my. Li- I just made a TikTok video. You should go check it out. It's on Instagram mm-hmm. too. Um, you may have just saw it. I, this guy commented on a the video. Loose skin I one? Just, the loose the skin surgery. One. The, the, yeah. the excess chemo surgery. He goes. He goes. It's easy for you to say. Uh, you were blessed. You were. You were the fortunate to have excess skin removal surgery. If you didn't have that surgery, you be. I bet you'd be back to where you once were. Uh, blah 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 blah. What is that guy doing? He's projecting his own insecurities. He's projecting yeah. his own shit. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with me. It, mm-hmm. He's he's just dealing with his own shit. And so um, so the same thing happens all the time in this. Like I was doing a TikTok live. I mean, I do these lives all the time. Mm-hmm. And some guy goes, I'm not going to take advice from a 30-year-old on how to lose weight when I'm 55. And I'm like, bro, I've read the clinical data. I uh, hate to break it to you. Your metabolism is about the same up until the age of 65, pushing 70. Um, once you hit about 65, 70, then it drops by about 1% per year. Now, we can talk about orthopedically when you hit 55, you're probably not going to run. And those cal- mm-hmm. like your total calorie burn is going to drop. And we're going to have to – like you may have poor shoulders and we may have to adjust your fitness routine. And there are th- – I'm not saying we can't adjust a few things based upon life – but is your metabolism worse than mine? No. No. Nope. Not necessarily. It it's it's just the habits that we've fallen into over that period of time. Like we've taken yep. on the role of I'm the big guy. Yep. You know, it's I was a stand-up comedian. I was using that to my advantage. I was the big guy. Yep. And it was something like I could not separate myself from it. Because some of my a lot of my jokes came from it. A lot of my yep. appeal came from it. So it's had that lasted another twenty years, I can't imagine what it would have been like trying to get through that. It's so crazy. So I don't want to say um, the person because it's not fair. It's public and all this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I was somewhat coaching and supporting a very well-known social media guy whose whole image is about being fat. And he's very, very, very big. In that sense, like a fatness, but like a a social media leverage, like huge cult following, all this kind of stuff. But everything he does is based upon his identity being fat. And he wanted to make a change. And I had had this conversation with him like, just so you know, you're going to go through an ego death of who you are because your whole identity, social media, everything is defined by you being this person and you don't want to be this person anymore. And I, I'm just telling you right now, the odds you make a massive transformation still defining yourself in social media and doing everything from this, good luck. You're probably not going to do it. Like, if you think you're going to be the funny fat person for the rest of your life, guess what? You're going to be. Like, you have to redefine all this kind of stuff. And, and hey, I've always used the jokes of being fat. Well, guess what? You're going to have to pivot, man, because soon enough, you're no longer going to be that guy. So you, you might as well figure it out early. The things we need and the things we do have to change going forward. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be repressed. It has to be replaced. And I think that's one of the hardest things of, of trying to tell people what we're supposed to do here is like it, it can't be you're treating this like a course of antibiotics trying to get the ick out of you. It yep. has to be we're going to be living a different life at the end of it. What's it going to look like? And will you enjoy it? If you don't 100%. enjoy it, you're not going to stick with it. 100%.
like that's that's always the biggest thing that hits me from the day, from day one. Like I put my do my TikTok lives. I put five to fifteen thousand people on them, and part of my banner, my before and after, is diets are bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like like diets are like keto, paleo, carnivore, vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, pescatarian. I don't care. Now it doesn't mean you can't use specific diets based upon lifestyle like choices you enjoy. As long as you understand it's about calories, protein, prioritize whole foods and fiber and all this kind of – as long as you understand the actual – the hard pillars. Like for me in intermittent fasting, for example, I intermittent fast. This is funny because I harp on the intermittent fasting group like ruthlessly because I intermittent fast. Mm -hmm. Like I I usually – I like eating bigger meals less often than smaller meals throughout the day. Now, the clinical research shows eating breakfast is beneficial. It's, it's either neutral or beneficial. And mm. it's not necessary, but it's either neutral or beneficial. And you sit there and go, but personally, I like eating bigger meals less often. And I have no problem eating enough calories. And so I'm not hungry in the morning. So I just skip breakfast and I eat a big like 80, 80 90 protein meal, gram protein mm. meal at noon. And it gets me off on the right foot for the rest of the day. Um, but it's like... I do that because that is a lifestyle decision that I enjoy. I don't do it because insulin, I, I got to be careful. My insulin <laughs> at 7.45 in the morning and blah, 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 blah. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with it. People and who have been it, diagnosed with insulin resistance by someone on TikTok. Oh, it's brutal. It's that br- kind of stuff. Oh, my gosh. The, like it just I see it, the feel-great system people and all this kind of stuff. They just, mm-hmm. just full of shit. They're just full of shit. All you have and, to do is take our $154 fiber supplement and starve yourself and uh, just try to make that connection that it was definitely the supplement and not the It was, uh, the it was definitely the supplement and mm-hmm. you were forced to eat two meals a day being a protein and a veggie and no carbs. <laughs> so you basically just dropped your calorie intake to like 900 mm-hmm. to 1500 calories a day. Had nothing to do with the fact that, no, it's, it's the $1,440 it's the $140 a month supplement. God. Now I don't want to criticize the people that fall for this because I get the desperation. Yep. You know, it's, it, it, the misinformation when when you launch into a weight loss journey, you're going to listen to the loudest voices first, and the yep. loudest voices are just like you said, it's going to be fasting, keto, all that kind of stuff, like intermittent fasting. Let's talk about why it works for you and why it's not working for all the other people who are on their tenth attempt at. It's working for you because you like it. It's yep. working for you because you're getting the amount of calories you need in a day. You're not getting eight hours worth of calories in a 24 hour window, you're getting 24 hours worth of calories in an eight hour window. Yep. And, and it's, it's, and it's, oh, keep going. I, I was just about to say, it's like, it's, it's not a, a matter of like, you know, intermittent fasting going into your fat cells, like white blood cells and, and shocking them away or anything. It's, it's just a way of structuring the food you're already eating. Yep. And you already know the clinical research, you know, better than I do. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, I you're enjoy always that. Pr- pr- uh, putting up the PMIDs and all that kind of stuff. And I love it. Yep. I, well, man, again, it's just like at the end of the day, um, like if you don't come with receipts, you're just you're more than likely spreading bullshit, and, and it happens mm-hmm. all the time. I, and that's why I because I went through the diet sell it phase because like so like my sequence was this um, ten years ago for a multitude of reasons we can go into, but I made the decision I was going to start transforming my life. The first program I got a hold of was carb cycling, and it was actually done by Chris and Heidi Powell. Okay. And carb cycling, it high protein always, but then low carb and high carb days and blah, blah, blah. And you fluctuate back and forth. 
Well, so obviously that controlled my calorie intake better, prioritizing protein. And then crazy enough, you start doing your lower carb days and the next day you're, you're losing more weight than, than the higher carb days. And, and you're like, wow, it must be the carbs. (laughs) And here I am in my junior year of college, getting a biomed degree. And my dad's a fucking doctor. And I start to really hook on this low carb thing. Because mm-hmm. instant gratification, you're like, wow, every time I go low carb, I'm losing weight faster. It must be the carbs. Water. It's water, guys. Um, <laughs> but you still, you get hooked on that. And then it goes from carb cycling to lower carb. And then I went from lower carb to fasting. And I went through some fasting f- spells. And I went through that world because instant gratification, you get hooked on it. And I get it. Like, I get how you can you can fall into that trap. It ends up just being glycogen, water, so on and so forth. Um, but I went, I used to get in heated discussions with my dad, blaming, doing the fat insulin model and doing all this kind of stuff. But when, but being objectively honest, when my dad started showing me comparative human controlled trials, he says, Hey, let's find, let's, let's, let's see if this is true. You like science. Let's see if it's true. They've done, they took low carb and low fat people, put the calories, the protein, the same. They were even type two diabetics. And guess what? Their weight loss was the same over the 12 weeks, the 14. Their weight loss was actually the same. It goes to show you it's it's not the car. And then like obviously I had to pivot because anyone being honest would be like, shit, okay, I was wrong. Um, and so I pivoted out of it. But like it's crazy how people – It's what, what drives me nuts is not the people – anyone who decides to eat whatever way they want to based upon whatever – that is their choice. That is their prerogative. I will never, like, if someone just puts something up or if someone's eating the way they're eating, I will never criticize them for however they decide to live their life. However, as soon as you go on a social media platform and you portray yourself as an expert and you start to spread bullshit, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call you out because now you put yourself in a position as an authority or an educator and you better be ready to be challenged on what you're saying. And people get super butt hurt by that. Like, well, someone will put something up, and I'll be like, "That's not right." PMID, this, this, and this. Hey, that's not right. And mm-hmm. uh, why are you cr- being critical of me? Because you're spreading bullshit. What do you? <laughs> yeah, it's not even you're being critical of the person. It's just the information is factually incorrect. Yeah, and it, it, you could end up hurting people. That's where it becomes 100%. a problem. It's not just that, like, oh, it's wrong, and I don't agree with you. It's wrong, and you run the risk of hurting someone. Yep. Yeah, and, and so and that's I, I become friends with a lot of registered dietitians and PhDs, and like that world of of uh, eating disorders is is nasty, and from a lot of different perspectives. That's why it, it is crazy in the day and age we live in now. Two people who have lost hundreds of pounds, half the time we're we're supporting or protecting some of the foods that we don't recommend eating a lot of. Mm-hmm. Just for the fact of saying it's okay to have some. Oh, yeah. It, All it, the time. <laughs> I, I talk so much more about like, you know, I had a pizza. I had this because like I, I don't talk about what I eat because I don't feel like it's the most important thing. Yep. Because it's not. I mean, you know that. You, you don't get down 200 pounds and stay there without enjoying a burger. I saw a picture of you like a month ago or so just housing a burger. It looked fantastic. Oh, me and, uh, me and Dalton were down in Pensacola. Dalton's down 300, I'm down 200, and mm-hmm. we, we went to this uh, Irish pub that had the most ruthless, like, it, be, like between, <laughs> I, you want to talk about an indulgence meal, of, of beyond mm-hmm. indulgence meals, I had this 
half pound or is it half pound or pound burgers? I think they've been a pound. I think no, they're pound burgers. <laughs> pound <laughs> burger is probably 80, 20 Chuck. It was not nine. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Le- I, actually, I want to say that actually one of the things about them was they were the leaner, but cheese, French fries, uh, I got there. There was bread or uh, button, button, uh, blah, 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 blah. bread and butter on the table, and uh, we got spinach and artichoke dip. I mm-hmm. probably had five thousand, six thousand calories in that one meal, maybe four, five thousand. I'm gonna mm-hmm. guess like five thousand because I can still eat like a four hundred pound dude whenever I want to. Oh yeah. Um, and so I probably ate five thousand calories in that one sitting. So what? I Back don't to trust the next day. <laughs> anybody who has lost weight and doesn't talk about food with the same reverence that you do, I don't trust them. Hundred percent. What, what have you had to beat? If if yeah. you just didn't like the food, then uh, yeah, good for you. You lost the weight, but like you didn't have to address anything on the way down. You just got it. It was handed to you. Well, my angle there too is so personally. Now again, th- there's a balance here because even I went through a phase of it. Um, I'm not a huge advocate of using fear as your primary motivator in anything. Oh, no. Like, I'm no. just not a huge... Fear, shame, it, none of it. It's, it, it's, it's Going just, negative is never going to be good because you, you can't stay down good. negative. I, I got to my goal weight four times negative. Yep. And I, I hated myself down and I hated myself on the way back up. Yep. And it and you get there and you get this like, oh my gosh, I'm scared of ever being around a cookie ever again. Never. Mm-hmm. I can't. I, and, and I understand. And, and there's nothing wrong with short term gap of having something to maybe like to like there's different strategies i've 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 done the whole like all right i'm gonna do 90 days without it and then slowly reincorporate something or you can go to i'm gonna just find a way to eat small amounts of it more consistently so i don't hyper obsess over it Mm -hmm. i really don't care um there's different strategies my whole thing is if if you're constantly in this fearful state of this is this is one that people have a hard time believing. I have zero fear of ever being 400 pounds again. None. Like there is not. When I eat a whole pizza, I can do a week of eating like an asshole. I just finished a bulk. I went from 208 stage weight. Uh, I'm two, I got to 241 in 11 months, about a year. I went Beast. from 208 to 241. Beast. And I'm getting a little fluffy. But like, so what? I'm not, it's I'm the not worried about it. It's the scaffolding around your muscles. You're yeah. getting, the cut's going to go crazy. I've been saying that. <laughs> it's been it's been fun. I put some mm. I put some solid mass in my legs in this past year, which I'm super proud of. And you like, trouble there before? Who doesn't? What dude doesn't? <laughs> my calves are still bullshit. It pisses me off. <laughs> I, have high, I have high insertion points in my calves, mm. so my calves are just fucking trash. And it is ah, what gonna, it is. Well, you're gonna keep building. Next bulk, you'll get there. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go with it. We're gonna see what we got. Mm. I mean, it's whatever. We, I always say, uh, God gave me small calves because if I had big calves, my ego would be too big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. I, I don't. I'm, I don't have big anything just yet. I'm. I'm still. I, I just finished my first bulk. So uh, just to give you a quick timeline, I was big from. I, I started losing weight in 2017, and around 2022 was when I finally broke the up and down cycle. So I wasn't big as long as a lot of people were. Okay. But I knew that I had to do something because it was 2017 was a fat year, 2018 skinny year, 2019 fat year, and and so on. 2022 was a skinny year. And if I didn't do something at that point, I knew I was going to go back up again. And right now I I was like supposed to be fat again if I hadn't figured that out. Okay. So that's sort of when I realized I can't hate myself 
up again. I can't hit myself down again. I, I have nope. to find a way to do this in a way where I'm honoring myself. I'm honoring my cravings, uh, making, finding ways to make food less special, which I want to get back to right after this. Yep. Um, and I spent a couple of months from, I spent about four or five months sort of learning how to maintain for the first time ever. I had never maintained. It was either, you know, weight was a binary system. It was up or down. Yep. So I knew I wanted to put muscle on. So I figured out how to maintain first. And then I'm like, screw it. Here we go. I'm going to do it. And it, it went well. Nice. But in that process, I realized how hard it is to build muscle. <laughs> yeah. It's devastating. That, that's kind of the point I was getting at there was like, you can lose. Some people can lose 100 pounds in a year. It's not the yep. best way to do it, but you can do it. You can't put 100 pounds of muscle on. No, it's, it's never a long game. That, so, that's yeah, don't, uh, I was just going to say, don't starve the muscle off because I do Oh, 100%. I that's... starved all my muscle off. I fasted, I starved, and by the end of it, I was a skeleton. Yep. I went to that. So like, because my original, so my time, <laughs> it's fun. two things. Number one, uh, I'm blessed enough that like, I went through some intentional bulks that got a little bit away from me, but mm -hmm. my fat loss from 22 to 32 um, I never gained a considerable amount of weight outside of somewhat intention. So like, mm -hmm. like my original bulk. So, um, my fat loss phase, I'll, I'll be the first one to say personal preference. I wrote about this in my book. If you're in a really poor emotional state, like you're very emotionally weak and you have to be honest with that. And there's nothing wrong with it. Cause it, just like you can strengthen your muscles, you can strengthen your emotional state and like adversity over time. But you can't be naive either. And you can't put unnecessary stress on you just because your ego's in the way, thinking you have to. For example, I didn't do any strength training till after I'd lost over 100 pounds. I, my my original fitness was incline walking on a treadmill, playing pickup basketball with friends, and walking and jogging outside. I didn't get a strength training until after I'd lost over 100 pounds. It was just walking for me, too. Yep. No training. And, but then, so I, I lose the 150, 160, 170. Then I had two excess skin removal surgeries. I got down to about 220, 215, 220. And I wasn't strength training a lot. I kind of just like looked meh, like I'm six one. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go through my first real bulk. I'm going to strength. I started getting strength training at this point. I'm strength training more. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a real bulk. I went from about 220 to 270 in about oh like seven months. Oh no, eight months. Yeah, but and oh. I was it was fluffy. Oh, it's, uh, I, mm -hmm. you won't see the picture, but uh, yeah. Now this is post excess skin removal surgeries and stuff. Yeah, um, when you gain that kind of weight that quickly, that that is not optimal muscle growth. You're, you're going to build no. muscle under there, no problem. It's just the cut is going to be devastating. Trying to get and, through there. Yeah, this is this is what I was at. Okay. I mean, I was, I was thick. Yeah. Like you can see that there's like, it, it's not that you're just fat there. Like there's definition, like there's muscle under it. Yeah. It's just, it's, and you're, you're wrapped up. Oh, hundred percent. There's, there, there's, it's, it's down there, but I, I put on some serious mass and then mm -hmm. I did a, um, a year long cut from 270 and I got down to 212, mm -hmm. um, for my first bodybuilding show. I did a physique show. And um, that's the picture then, that you usually have up on the live streams. So that was actually the second one. Okay. So I, I did bodybuilding for transformation before it was cool. Um, <laughs> my first, because 
my first transformational or my first fitness show was I did an NPC show in 20, 2019, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before like summer shreds was out and all that kind of stuff. And they had transformational divisions and I did an NPC show and I get on stage. So like, so like if you see that, that transformational picture of me, of my, my 10 in a row, uh, or my 10 year transform. It's like the, let me find it. Um, I'm familiar see the, with it. I'm going to have to share it on my Instagram when this yeah. goes out, but it's, it's, it's the, yeah. it's the one next Incredible. to the last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one was an NPC show back in like 2018, 2019. Um, and I was like two twelve in that picture, probably like, I don't know, 14% body fat, maybe. 15, 15, I guess, but I was, but yeah, but just the whole idea, like I've been strength training intentionally with 220 to 250 grams of protein, like very intentional for six years now. And, and I've gone through two major bulks and two major cuts. Mm -hmm. And like, if (laughs) I remember on my live, people go, you're good. You're looking fluffy, man. You're losing. I'm like, bro, I can guarantee you, you don't bench shit and you don't look like shit because it's if you're projection. scared, yeah, if you're scared to put on a little bit of fat to put on muscle, I can guarantee you, you're not that strong and you're not that big. Like you look at any of these guys, if bodybuilding's your thing, if you want to put on mm-hmm. as much lean muscle mass as possible, again, you don't have to, this is just what I enjoy doing. Um, but it's like, you know, man, you, you, you're getting fluffy, man. You shouldn't do that. I'm like, I'm not worried about it at all. Like so everybody's back that- got an opinion. It's, and that's why yeah. a lot of people who are trying to lose weight tend to not want to tell anybody because what's the first thing that happens when you tell someone you're losing weight or you're gaining or whatever? It's always opinions, advice, yep. whatever it may be. I've oh, got 100%. a question for you in terms of muscle building. What do you think yes. it is about guys like you and me who lose a lot of weight that compels us to want to build muscle because you look at an average person who's never had to struggle with it they might do it they might not but i feel like the rate of people wanting to put muscle on is a lot higher in people who have lost a lot of weight or maybe it's just like the community that i've seen i i would i I would well it goes through a phase especially like um you got the weight loss surgery group you got the bariatric group you got the couple different angles um the bariatric surgery group has a nasty uh, has, has a, hold, hold on. Um, has a nasty, um, habit of, how do I want to say this? Thinking that they're eating as little as possible and their lightest weight is their best situation. Yeah. And it's farthest from the case. Like that's a dangerous thing that the bariatric surgery group ended up having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something but, you've noticed. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and this, and then like I don't know, like there's, I've met both. I've met both where they just people fixate on. I just want to be thin. I just want to be thin. I just want to be thin. I could care less. And then you got other people where they just want to fill the void of the, of the skin. They want to do different things. I've met both. I really have. Um, I do warn people on that though, where I've met people that they didn't do a lot of strength training. And then they get into it and they hyper-focus on strength and muscle and they start forgetting calories and they hyper-fixate on strength and muscle. And then all of a sudden, before they know it, they're up 50, 60 pounds and they're like, holy shit, what just happened? Oh, yeah. See, I was so get- worried about that when I bulked I because I knew I was going to have to eat in a surplus, which was the enemy of the last half decade. Mm-hmm. And it was the only way to get what I wanted. 
So that's why I focused so hard on sort of mastering maintenance before I got there so that I knew if I needed to back away, I could. Mm-hmm. I knew that if, you know, I, I, I knew exactly where my surplus was. I knew where my maintenance was and I knew where my cut was because I, I didn't want that to happen. I ended up not even gaining as much weight as I thought I would. Okay. So it's it ended up kind of like almost working against me in a way because I was being too cautious. But now, you know, I've, I have that information now and I can well, that's where- take it the next time and do more. Oh, exactly. I, my angle is you just, you just set a, you set a threshold. That's when I've had conversations about that, where people go like, I want to do my first bulk, but I'm scared because I'm worried about getting too much weight, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's like, you've lost the weight before. Just set a threshold. Like you got to give yourself some time. You got to give yourself some time and weight. Like you can't 10 pounds. As soon as I gain 10 pounds, I'm going to cut. Like, no, you got to give yourself, just give some weight 20. Like you Mm -hmm. don't have to go 30. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bold with 30. Um, but you got like, just set a threshold and you actually want to take time. Contrary to popular belief, it's going through a bulk is not this. I get to eat like an asshole and strength train because Mm. if you put, if you put yourself in too big of a calorie surplus, you just put it on fat too fast. And if you put on fat too fast, that means you're, you're cutting your bulk short because you gained the 20 pounds in. 16 weeks when you could have gained the 20 pounds over 40 weeks over 50 weeks mm-hmm. and if you would have taken your time of being in a subtly calorie surplus instead of this major this dirty bulk mentality you probably would have put more muscle on mm-hmm. more consistently than this dirty bulk quick and then you're out and it's like it's just cons- again it's consistency and so I, people have asked me that question about dirty bulking I wouldn't recommend it. No, it's, it's, I, I was joking with you on your live stream the other day. Like dirty bulk for 29 years. Yep. You know, it was um, like, it's just not worth it. And it's, it's so difficult to put on muscle. And I think that we go into it with the idea that it's going to come on as quickly as we lost the fat. Yep. You know, cause we're, we're used to it coming off. And I know that the people who are listening to this right now who have not lost all the weight yet feel like it's a slow process and it is. It's not 100%. a quick process. The way you should be doing it is slow, but like when you get to the other side, if you want to put muscle on, it's going to take a while. It's not the same. Oh, 100%. And that's always the hard part too. It's like actually cutting cutting fat is way easier than putting on muscle. Mm-hmm. It's it's less painful, it's less everything. It's like it's just calorie deficit and move your body more. Like that's not hard when it comes to putting on a bunch of muscle. That's why I always say when people say, "Well, what do I need to do?" What's the goal? Is the goal just fat loss? Is the goal putting on muscle while burning body fat? Like what you got to give me some general like focus points because depending on your goal, there is a whole different level of intention of the process to take to get there. It's the same thing with like, I, I just want to lose 100 pounds and feel better, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Calories, protein, step goal. It's all you freaking need. Those three things, you're good. Everything else is sunshine and rainbows. What do you now, tell people? Oh, sorry. Go yes. On. No, you're good. I was just I was just going to pivot into like, now I want to do a bodybuilding show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then we got to think about fat level, fat like your your fat uh, grams per fat, car- carbs. You got to think about all these things mm-hmm. so you can optimize physique. And there's just levels to this. That's um, when the macros really matter. It's yes. macros don't matter all that much losing weight. You want to prioritize no. protein, but it's really just calories in, calories out. If you're yep. bodybuilding, trying to you know be show ready, yeah, macros are going to be important, especially as you get up to the show itself. But otherwise, like 
if you're just trying to lose weight right now, don't don't worry about macros. You're fine. Yep. Calories get about, protein. Yeah. Get about a gram per pound of the target weight you want to be, and that's about that. Yep. Super nope. simple. Don't over don't over complicate it. Like, <laughs> like I I love the science, but it's like it's so it's for most people it's so unnecessary to to target and like keep think keeping things simple because then it's like the door. I'm still a huge advocate because technically you do not have to track calories. I want to make sure everyone knows this. Like building a calorie deficit, people say calorie deficit is a diet. No, 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 no. Calorie deficit is the mechanism behind fat loss. It's not the diet. Calorie counting is a diet. You you can consider that a diet because you are physically tracking calories, weighing out food, blah, blah, blah. You can build a calorie deficit without tracking your calories, ergo keto, paleo, carnivore, every every diet whose people have lost weight, they did it because they built a calorie deficit. They weren't aware that they built a calorie deficit. That's what you were doing. Um, and so I want people to know, like, you do not have to track calories in order to burn body fat, but don't kid yourself. Calories is how you, how you burn body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What were you about to say? Oh yeah, uh, just yeah. One more thing about the bodybuilding. What is your advice to people who come to you? Because I know what my advice is. What is your advice to people who come to you and say that I want to burn fat and build muscle? I love this because there's a couple so, of different um, camps here. Yes. So, based upon the clinical data, um, there are two populations that are capable of putting on a considerable amount of muscle while burning body fat, mm-hmm. and that are novice lifters the newbie gains and and newbie novice lifters doesn't just mean uh you're new to strength training it means you've never progressively overload and pushed muscle there's plenty of people that go to the gym that know that are not progressively overloading muscle that would technically get newbie gains once they understand how it actually works so novice lifters and significantly overweight people so my always joke is if you are a novice lifter and you're considerably overweight, you're actually a super saiyan because you can put on a considerable <laughs> amount of muscle while burning body fat. Um, yeah. So you're actually super saiyan, just mm-hmm. so you know. That's what I tell people too. It's the same thing. It's like, it, one, if, if you just want to burn all the fat, just get rid of the fat and and do it. But like, if, if you're trying to build muscle and lose fat, you have to either be large, like you said, or have no experience in the gym. Mm -hmm. because it's like that's going to be the best case otherwise you're going to do both poorly yep and that's where um like again i'm an advocate for getting into strength training early i really am Mm -hmm. but you also have to be honest with yourself and for me 400 pound david i was so emotionally weak that every time i would strength train this the 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 door the sore muscles the doms the pulled muscles i mean it happens it it would make me quit like that's the that's the problem. It would make me quit completely because I would get sore. Now I pull my back, I I have a tight hip or whatever. It's I'm at a different emotional state and being now compared to then. But I got to be very honest. This is where when people say like you have to strength train to lose weight. No, you don't. No, I'm st- there's still benefits. Don't get me wrong. Like there's benefits with long term strength training. But at the end of the day, getting to a healthier body weight percentage, body fat percentage and body weight is the most important thing you can do. Strength training long-term, great. Being 100 pounds overweight, however you cut it, is just not good. It's just not good. No matter what. And yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's just really important when it comes to that because um, 
it's it's such a process and i i don't oh yeah um when people will ask like what's the best exercise to lose weight mm-hmm. because usually what they're trying to ask there it's a covert way of saying can i do this without exercising mm-hmm. which i've got some mixed feelings about because yes you can should you know correct yeah. it's like we're both burning fat here on you know here i'm on my couch you're in my chair like we're burning fat here and we could lose all of our what you could lose all your bulk weight not doing anything yep. is it the best way to do it no if you're physically no. capable and able you should but yeah like strength training they'll say like how much how many times do i have to go to the gym every week to lose weight it, technically you don't have to go once yeah you technically don't have to go ever and in <laughs> fact you could be gaining weight while you're there that's what i was doing the last couple of months you too it's, yep. it's all about a calorie surplus or a deficit. That's all it's going to be. It's so funny, too, because going back to the full sequence of the intermittent fasting stuff, I still intermittent fast inside of my bulk that I put on 30 pounds in the last year. My eating window hasn't changed, people. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Still put on 30 pounds. <laughs> you gained weight doing intermittent fasting. What's that? So it's no. not a magical solution? blasphemy no i can't can't be he's he's an alien like you can't do that it's about insulin man like come on (sighs) it's and i I, and i get where the frustration comes from because wouldn't it be nice if we could just put ourselves onto a diet or an exercise plan and just that's all the weight comes off yep like oh look at that like i i did keto and the and the weight comes off consistently every single time and uh, and you only have to do it once and it never happens again Yep. Like if we had that, there'd be no one struggling with weight right now, but we don't have that. It's about what you can do consistently over a long period of time. hundred percent. And that's what drives me. I feel bad for um, all the quote unquote grifters out there, or I feel bad for people because of grifters out there because they, they, whether, whether they're consciously aware or there's uneducated, there's both in this group. Um, because there's plenty of people that mean well, but they're completely uneducated on a subject and they're oh, spreading yeah. bullshit. Um, but it's like, it, it would be awesome if it was the GMOs in our food. It, it's, it's the secret, it's the secret chemical or whatever hidden in our food that's, that's getting us fat and unhealthy. And it's, it's not your fault. It's something other than yourself. It's just not true. It's just... It's just, it's calories. It's prioritizing whole food and fiber. It's protein. It's, it's moving your body more. Stop being so sedentary. It's getting good sleep quality. It's treating food and yourself with respect. It's having discipline. It's having standards. These are all things that are in your control. It's just not as convenient of a thing to hear, um, which is the majority of people, there are some outliers, are overweight and obese because of their own accord. Whether they're consciously aware of it or not is not the is not the issue. Whether you grew up in a family that had no idea what a calorie was, had terrible relationships with food, none that no one's denying those things. It's still in your control, and it's hard work, effort, and discipline that gets you out of it. Yeah, nobody sets out to become fat. Like no one's saying I'm going to be fat. It's I'm deciding to become fat now. That's what's going to happen. But at a certain point, how far have I allowed my habits to shift and fall to where I'm I'm here? I didn't decide to be here, but it's now my problem. Yep. So I, I fault have to versus get responsibility. That That's always my favorite thing. It's like it may not be your fault. You grew mm. up in a family that didn't care, and 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 maybe you had a uh, a really traumatic event that made you use food to cope with stress, and all those things are valid faults. It's still your responsibility to get out of it. And that's that's one of the things that people that tend to have a a liberal based thought process. I don't want to say Democrat, Republican, all that kind of, but it's like 
tend to lean towards the system is always the problem. That is something that they ha- people have a hard time understanding that you can create the best systems, the 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 public free healthcare and this and that and this, and they can have benefit. They still will not fix everything because it takes you can't take the number one variable out of this whole situation, which is which is the individual. Mm-hmm. And you can it's crazy how someone can have all the resources, have everything in front of them, and they can still choose to not do it. That's just that is a hard fact about the situation. I'm still a huge advocate of creating. That's why I do take these TikTok lives every. I do an hour of a TikTok every live free, just to help people that may not be able to afford what I do. Yeah, that's why I do it. Like, like so. Don't tell me I'm not. I'm not helping the solution. I go on live. I spend an hour every day for free, just helping people. <laughs> I always tell people the information's always going I want it to be as accessible as possible because if we can lower the the bar to entry and mm-hmm. get people in and, and get them over to our side you know we can help people that that need it yep. and it's I think some of it's also a response to being bullied as well like the the um like the fat positivity movement I, I think there's another word for it but that that might be the word yeah body um, positivity or whatever there's like a specific thing because the body positivity kind of covers everybody. Yep. Where it's like everyone should be comfortable in their bodies. And that's oh, why I'm always acceptance? pushing. Uh, fa- yeah, fat acceptance. Yeah. Okay. And w- where I, th- I think it's a response to bullying, where mm-hmm. they have felt like it's out of their control. And then people bully them for it. And they say, well, actually, no, it, it is within my control. This is something I've decided on. I'm choosing this. So it now it's good. You can't make fun of me for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And you end up doubling down into bad habits and, and self-harm, basically. Hundred percent. Now those that, people shouldn't be uncomfortable ever. There's no reason that anyone should ever be made fun of. But like it personally, I feel like that movement is is counterintuitive to people feeling 100%. the best way that they can feel. It's it's a dangerous game. Like I I did a TikTok about a year ago that went viral where I kind of challenged this girl who was part of the fat acceptance movement, fat positivity group, where she travels the world. Um, she's like five hundred pounds or something, and she usually cruises around in a rascal or whatever. Um, And she made a post where she said, I think uh, extra sheets, extra seats on an airplane should be free. And because it's, it's discrimination to fat people. And I'm just, and I made a video and I'm like, Hey, do I think as long as it's safe for everyone else in the airplane, do I think you should be able to be on the airplane? Absolutely. Do I think you should be able to get free seats because of your lifestyle decisions? Hell no. Like then you make the same argument for the guy who's six nine who can't fit on a flight without being in first class. Like you're gonna give the six nine guy first class seats just because he's six nine? No, like that's not. It's just unfortunate how life is, but that's just not how. Like, do I think you should be treated like a piece of shit? Hell no. Like no, everyone deserves to be treated with respect. But you also have to own the complications of the lifestyle decisions you have, and some of them are fitting on an airplane, fitting on a roller coaster. Finding clothes that fit, walking up a flight of stairs, not having access to escalators and, and stuff like that. And like you That's said life. before, you know, it's, you, you're not saying they shouldn't be allowed on an airplane. That would be no. discrimination yeah. to say you can't come on the airplane because you're a certain size. And that would be incredibly wrong and, and awful to do to somebody. But no, oh, 100%. It's yeah, it's, it's just kind of sad to see that happen because I know that it's not coming from a genuine place. 
of no. like I really enjoy this right now. It, it's this is the sort of the cards I've been dealt here, and if I don't lean into this, people are going to be able to make fun of me for it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like it's that, the yeah. funny fat guy. It's, you just own it. Mm-hmm. The funny fat guy or the person who's been fat forever, that kind of thing. Um, and part of it, and this is one of the things I, I wanted to ask you sort of about your upbringing, because one yep. thing that you've mentioned a lot of times is, uh, and like you said earlier, is, you know, when your dad wasn't around, your mom would give you all of the food that you you wanted, all that bad food that the cardiologist didn't want you to have. Yep. And so it became special. It became really special and it became something that you probably carried on through the years, right? Where you would see that kind of food and it would remind you of those times that were more fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it plays a role. Um, I mean, so like I was eating like a Costco size bag of Reese's almost every other day. So like a 24 count of Reese's peanut butter cups almost every other day. Fast food all the time. But I also hid food. So like even because you know what you're doing. And I grew up in a very large house. I'd have friends and friends over all the time. So we had this big pantry full of food and my parents, my mom in particular stocked the pantry. Cause I always had friends over. I was the one eating most of the snacks, but mm-hmm. it was there for everybody. And then what I tended to do was I actually had this, this habit of, I would take all the wrappers, put them in the bottom of one of my drawers. And on trash day, I would take all the wrappers throw them underneath the trash and then put a bag on top of it to kind of like hide it. It's one of those things where I don't know, like the nostalgia of food, does it play a role? Because that's the whole thing about food in general is food. If everything, this, this is the logic part of me. I'm a pure, I'm a very logical guy, but guess what? Food is emotional. Humans are emotional beings and you can't take that out of the equation, the the equation. Mm -hmm. Why do we, why do people love ice cream? Because it's primarily it's good. And the first time you were five years old and you remember going to Disneyland with your parents and that life is sunshine and rainbows and it feels great. There's a whole industry right now where you can buy school lunches on the Internet. You can buy the frozen. Yeah, you can buy the frozen pizzas. You can buy those cheese sticks and and like they're garbage. Now, If you had been introduced to them now, you wouldn't want them. But, yep. you know, people who have nostalgia for them, who ate them as kids, are buy- they're spending like $100, $200 on a box with not a lot of food in it coming ah, to the house just because it's that. like it's the exact recipe that they had there. And That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, no, like you and I probably wouldn't get it, but, you know, they would because that's something that they're reminded of. Like it, it makes them feel good. Interesting. Yeah. No, 100%. And that's where you have to tackle the the emotional side of food the relational side of food and there's no way around it this is where i understand the argument i'm not a huge fan of the victim olympics personally which is like my situation's just worse like it's like yeah your situation's bad but mine's just worse and it's like this victim olympics game and it just it doesn't benefit you um, acknowledging shortcomings, fine, but like comparing your situation to others, it's just, it's just not worth your time. You might have but, further to go, but we're on the same path ultimately. Exactly. But like people make the comment where, uh, having a, I mean, and personally, I'm not a huge fan of the word food addiction personally, uh, Ooh, because okay. that's a defining thing to me. Like mm-hmm. Having a poor, acknowledging a poor relationship with food and, and saying you have a food addiction are two very different things. Oh, okay. That makes more. Yeah. 
Because it's, it's, it's not it's necessarily like, like an addiction to the food, like a chemical thing. It's more so what are we getting from it? Psychologically, yeah. that's the whole thing. Physiological versus psychological. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a difference. And this, that's the science in me trying to con- conflate, not conflate the two. Because I'm a, like, our words and our beliefs and our identities have meaning. If you believe you're the funny fat guy, you're trapped there. If you believe you're addicted to food, you always will be. Like that, that's part, doesn't mean you don't acknowledge you have a poor relationship with food. You, you, you still acknowledge these things, but you get more intentional. What, what sounds harder to get over? I'm addicted to food. I use food to cope with stress. Oh, I can, I can handle Mm -hmm. getting over using food to cope with stress. Yeah. I'm addicted to food, but that's where like people always say like, well, a food addiction is the worst type of addiction because you can you can uh, absten- uh, you can stop drinking alcohol. You can stop doing drugs. You can't stop eating, which I understand that argument. I I, I really do. But again, I just I don't want to sit here and play this victim Olympics game. Everyone says theirs is the worst based upon what they're dealing with. So what's the point? Why compare? It's just not worth it. It it, it would be. Let me rephrase that. It's great that it is not carbs. Because carbs are delicious. You know, it's, it's great that it's not sugar because sugar is delicious. It's just a matter of excess. It's a matter of how we're using it. And yeah. sugar is not inherently like, I always find people say like sugar, people go, sugar's delicious. You know, really, it's not. Like, have you, like, I mean, yeah, you got pixie sticks, but how many pixie sticks would you actually eat? I don't know. I don't uh, maybe two or three, and I'm like, I'm done. They're kind of sour and chalky. I'm not a fan. Of yeah, that. like I, I'm not. They're not that good. Like just straight sugar out of a bag. People don't really have that. Now you get some cake, which has just these fats and sugars, and how it's all together in one tasty morsel. You're like, oh, daddy, give me another. But it's actually it's so funny to me when people say sugar addiction. Go eat some sugar out of a bag and tell me that was like, oh, yeah, that really hit the spot. It's not. Like, don't get me wrong. It's cake and cookies <laughs> and stuff like that. That's a good point. But it's not just it's actually sugar. Yeah. Like, think, eat sugar out of a bag and go, that's what you want? No, it's, you want no, cheesecake. It's everything else. Yeah. Because <laughs> cheesecake is perfect. And one of the things I've been talking about uh, this week especially is, you know, people will come in and say, like, like cheesecake is my weakness. Or mm-hmm. something, this is my weakness. And, and I'll tell them, kind of like you were saying before, how do you think it's affecting you mentally to mm-hmm. say that this is my weakness? What's it going to do when you're in front of that food? Is it going to help you? Or is it going to sort of give you permission to be like, well, that's just the person I am. I'm weak around this food, so I, I guess I have to have it. And then you end it's up having way more prophecy. than you want to have. You know, but rather, like you said, I have a bad relationship with this right now. I tend to eat too much of it. That's addressing the problem. It's not making you be the problem. Yeah. Like saying I'm weak or I'm less than. It doesn't give you the opportunity to show how strong you are around that food. And it's a a self-fulfilling prophecy. So like that's that's where people don't understand the... um, the words you use, the belief system you have, you have, have meaning. And that's where mm-hmm. trying to balance Western and Eastern medicines and trying to balance psychological versus physiological. Like I'm, I've been an avid reader for years. I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins and a lot of the stuff that he talks about because it's just very practical. Um, and one of the things that you talk about is like your brain is just a big old supercomputer. It's not your friend. It's not your enemy. It just does what you ask of it. 
If you ask yourself, why am I a fat, lazy piece of shit? It's just going to find past thoughts, experiences, and actions Mm -hmm. that fulfill your question. It's not, it's Google. You Google, why is Diet Coke bad for you? It's going to give you an answer. Mm -hmm. You Google, why is Diet Coke good for you? It's going to give you the answer of that. It's it's called, it's it's called, uh, confirmation uh, bias. Yeah, confirmation bias. And so, like, and the same thing happens in your brain. And so, if you say, I'm addicted to this food, you're not actually physiologically, you're psychologically, and your brain's just going to fulfill what you ask of it. It's not your friend. It's not your enemy. It just does what you ask. That's one of the and, big revelations I had when I was at my lowest weight, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I had my revelation at my lowest weight, not at my highest. It wasn't, I need to fix this thing and lose all the weight. It was, I already lost all the weight. I overshot it by 10 pounds. I looked like a skeleton mm-hmm. and I needed to fix something. And I realized I could not continue to hate myself down. I couldn't continue to say, well, I'm this. I'm just the fat guy, so I need to take nuclear measures to get down every time. Mm -hmm. I needed to find ways to love myself and to be kind to myself. Yep. And that's that was the only thing that fixed me. Living in that mindset of, well, I'm just always going to be fat if I don't keep putting myself on these diets was keeping me fat. Yep. Just this constant revolving diet roller coaster. Gain 100, lose 100, gain 100, lose 100. Like... It's it's one of these constant revolving doors where it's so important to understand good food and bad food is bullshit. There's there's foods you need to prioritize and there's foods you need to limit. Don't give it don't get it twisted. Um, my I've, I'm coming to find out that my my ninja creamy is giving me a whole new perspective on ice cream though. I'm a hundred like I've gotten hooked. Like I'm I got a ninja creamy recently, bro. So you take a you take a premier protein shake, either mm-hmm. vanilla or chocolate, and then you get some like I, I have what's called ratio. Have you heard of ratio protein yogurt? Yes, yeah, I think I have. So like they're 170 calories, 25 grams of protein. Nice. So it's the greatest macros on a yogurt. Ever. Yeah, and it's, and it's like <laughs> three, three or four sugar and like three or four fat. So instead mm-hmm. of Greek yogurts where they're all sugar and no fat, and then there's other yogurts that are higher in fat, lower in sugar. I kind of like how it's a little bit of both, and it creates a, it's a great consistency. I wish I made money by saying this, but I don't get anything yet. Soon enough, I'll get a ra- brand Soon sponsorship, enough. but not yet. And you just take literally one ratio protein yogurt of whatever flavor yeah. you want with a premier protein shake, vanilla chocolate, depending on what you're trying to do. You put it in the you put it in the Ninja Creamy. You then the next day you spin it up and you do what you need to do, bro. It's so it'd be a Premier Protein Shakes, one hundred in one hundred and sixty calories, thirty grams of protein. Mm-hmm. Then you have the yogurt, one hundred and seventy calories, twenty five grams of protein. Jeez, so, so that's fifty five protein on four hundred calories, three hundred and three hundred and eighty, whatever Calorie that is. Calorie protein is yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. And it's straight up. It It's a huge, it's, it makes a relatively big bowl mm-hmm. and it's some solid ice cream. And you're it full really after is. that. You are 100%. very full after that. Yeah. And it's much I'm more like, full been, than you would after a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, huge difference. And a, a pint of Ben and Jerry's is uh, 1,200 calories mm-hmm. and 12 grams of protein. I love how you know that. <laughs> and I would have answered the same thing had somebody called me on it. Yeah. And you know. so it's, it's freaking dope. Mm-hmm. That's you don't have to give up all the like if you want to have Ben and Jerry's, you go ahead and have it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's not a problem. You just got to work it in. But with these lower calorie solutions, it definitely helps, especially with the extra protein to get that in. 
But you you gotta count chemicals, not calories. Count chemicals. That's, that's the calories. that's the newest one to me. Counting I've heard people chemicals. say that shit. Well, yeah, because you chemicals. got the people making videos in grocery stores and and you know reading labels like you said before with the um with the Flintstone vitamins. <laughs> I don't know what these words mean, so they must be bad for you. Same thing with the chemicals. <laughs> you realize water is a chemical. You really everything is a chemical. Everything. So, what's your definition of a chemical? Oh, just these ones because you're bi- natural. Okay, so you're okay with mercury because it's a chemical. Like, what, what? Which which chemicals are you referring to? Do you remember the dihydrogen monoxide scare? Oh, a bunch yeah. of years that ago. Yeah, they, they ran a. Uh, so anybody who doesn't know, they ran a, a a prank on a radio show where they said there's like there's dihydrogen monoxide in the uh, in the water supply. And it's like it's going into every faucet and every shower. It's like you can't avoid it. It's it's everywhere. You're all you've probably had it today. And you know they they talked about like you know dihydrogen monoxide toxicity, which is again true. Dihydrogen monoxide is another way to say H two O. It's a way to say water. It's water. Yeah. But and yeah, people you were freaking out. They were calling people and being like, "How do we? How do we get away from this stuff? Like, I don't want to <laughs> ever get near it again." And it's just like that. That scaremongering can can really do a number on people mm-hmm. when people don't know 100%. what they're talking about. Gah, it hurts your soul, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. <sighs> I've got an important question for you as someone who has lost two hundred pounds, and then I'm going to. Um, then I got one more question for you, and I'll let you go. But Sounds I, good. I appreciate. I I talked to you for three hours here. I I appreciate. I'm dangerous with so this. I could talk forever. Uh, so, you've lost two hundred pounds. Yep. This is a question I get very often, and I don't quite know how to answer it. Okay. I've got a roundabout, but I want to see what you say on this. How do you determine, or like, when do you determine what your weight should be at the end? How oh, that's when? always a great one. Oh, that's a fun one. Um, so there's levels to this shit. There really is. So it depends on what your definition of success is. And Mm -hmm. everyone's going to have a little bit of nuance. That's actually one of the things that I'm building right now in a company is really owning those, those, like the difference between ego, ego and actual like progress and health. Cause like, for example, even if you're 400 pounds, okay. Losing 10 to 20% of your body weight, you don't have to get to 200 the, the the benefit on your blood sugar, your blood pressure, your lipids, your general quality, like all of these metabolic markers get better. And so depending on your success, if it's just to get relatively healthy me- metabolic markers and get to a relatively healthy like number on the scale, you can be 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight. As long as you have good nutritional lifestyle and fitness, you can be, you can live to 60, 70, 80, 90, all the same as everybody else. So again, my whole thing is this. It's got to be somewhat person-dependent. What's your definition of success? Um, and number two, I would be very careful on using weight goals in particular just because... That's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. It's just... it's just <laughs> If you want to give yourself 20, 30 pounds of a, like a parameter type of thing, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I would use body fat percentage and or just just pictures like just just progress pictures um because body fat percentage gets you more realistic because it gives you that buffer because if you're trying to put on muscle while burning body body fat well guess what that means you're going to put on mass you're putting on mass putting on muscle means putting on mass which means putting on weight and so if you're hyper fixated on the number of the scale 
you devalue strength training because it slows down weight loss, but not necessarily fat loss. They're different. And so um, my biggest thing there is body fat, having multiple ways to track progress is super important. Body fat percentage, weight. uh, I'm not a huge fan of the BMI. I'm not going to say it's shit, but it's not ideal. It's a data point. It's a data point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like technically, because I'm 6'1, 237 right now, I'm like a 30.5 BMI, which considers me clinically obese, but I'm like 22% body fat, which is fine. And then you look at (laughs) bodybuilders who are, you know, around our height or or shorter and they're, you know, up in the higher 200s. And then you look at somebody who's that same height. I was 265 and I'm 6'3. We we would have the same height and weight and be at completely different body fat percentages. Yep. And so body fat percentage, progress pictures, blood work, um, you need to take all of that into consideration to what you're doing. Because just using the number on the scale, it'll fuck you up. <laughs> Especially, you can use it for a while. Like, if you're 100 pounds overweight saying, I want to get under 300, that's totally fine. When you start to get towards, like, what's my ideal weight, all this kind of stuff, you need to give yourself 20, 30 pounds of buffer depending on your lifestyle and what you're trying to do, so on and so forth. It's a data point. That's all it yep. is. Everything is a data point. You need to find, like you said, non-scale things to tell you how you're doing. How do you feel? Are you able to move around more? When I was heavy, I couldn't bend over and pick things up without losing my breath. You know, like that kind of mm-hmm. thing. The scale couldn't tell me that I could do that. Yep. The scale couldn't tell me that I could finally shower with the lights on again after yep. some years. Like it, it, it goes a lot deeper than a number on the scale. And you are the person who will put that meaning to the number. So, and that's where really things matter. At the end of the day, non-scale victories and the quality of life change is all that really matters. That's what's going to make you be consistent. That's the goal. That's what people. That's actually what you matter. That's what yeah. you're here for. You're, that's what the real goal. No. It's not to get to a number. The the number or the goal is to feel better. The goal is to look mm-hmm. better. The goal is is anything but the number. But we tie our progress to the number because we think the number is going to bring all that to us, and it mm-hmm. doesn't. You knew that. I would never put on this muscle mass if I if I no. I, make this, I make this comment all the time. There's no way I would have this type of muscle mass without being okay with the number fluctuating. Mm-hmm. And that just comes from, you know, moderation, patience, kindness, and obviously in your case, a whole ton of research. <laughs> and fucking it up a couple times. I'm, <laughs> I'm, fucking I it can, up. A- I can, I, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. Part of the research process. It, you have yep. to. It's mm-hmm. anybody who gets down with no problems I'm worried about. I'm yep. like, where did you fail? How do you know when, like, what, what's your plan when something goes wrong? Oh, nothing's gone wrong. Okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. At, at some point. What are you going to do? It's not going to be my, your fault necessarily. It's, you, you got lucky up to this point. I mean, like, we all got yep. lucky until we didn't. Just some people didn't haven't hit it yet. 100%. Yeah, I tore my knee a couple of years ago. And that was actually when I was 270 at my highest bulk. I tore my knee playing pickup basketball. And I made it a point that I was like, all right, fuck my circumstances. I'm going to compete in my, my first bodybuilding show because I said I was going to do it. And Oct- I did it on, on Halloween, October 31st of that year. It was like 2018. And then 2019, November 2nd. Um, I competed my bodybuilding show with it. I mean, literally the beginning of my, my prep is this, I lost 60 pounds in a year with a torn PCL, having to go through rehab, having to go through all this stuff. And I mean, it's like, it is what it is. Like that's life. And you just 
want to help people with everything you've learned, don't you? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. It just I, I like I see I, I see you doing the live streams every day. I always pop in and try to say hello. You're always giving good information. You always got a zero sugar sprite in your. I'm hand. always clowning on the diet soda. I love it. <laughs> you always have it right in the frame too. And I started because you didn't always hand. do that. You didn't always. So I honestly do it as a troll now. Like I yeah. keep, sometimes it's an empty can and I'll fake a drink just to <laughs> you just have to, it just in the frame. People. All that's and I started to notice. I'm like he's doing that on purpose. And what what do you want to say to everyone who's still nervous about zero sugar sodas? Uh. Zero sugar sodas. What are you nervous? What are you nervous about? Like what? What? What's like the like? It's usually what, the research. The, uh, the the what's it called? The headlines that say it'll give them cancer. How many oh, do they have to drink to get cancer? And what animal do they have to be to get cancer from it? Yeah, I know that's always the funny part. I always say to people, I'm like, give if you want to give me clinical research that's not epidemiological or um, in vitro, which means petri dish cells or rat studies. Mm-hmm. You actually give me human controlled trials, like actual things where humans were part of the research study. Then we can have a conversation. The reality is aspartame in particular, it's one of the more safer synthetic chemicals that any human can consume. I hate to break it to you. It's just a hard fact. Uh, And like literally it takes for there to be, put it this way, the acid in a diet soda is probably the most reasonable thing to be worried about for your teeth than anything. Like the aspartame, it takes, it would take a 500 to a thousand cans a day to increase your risk of cancer. I'm not even kidding. 500 Mm -hmm. to a thousand, the water if you consumed 500 cans of diet soda day and water, you would you would dilute your electrolytes and it would <laughs> yeah. harm you first. That's like, what's going to get kidding. you before the aspartame. The water does. would actually harm you before yeah. the aspartame will. You'll, yeah, like it's just a hard fact, and mm-hmm. like, people don't fucking want to hear it. <laughs> now the acid, honestly, mm-hmm. the acid is the most reasonable thing for people to argue. Like, what does say 15 to 20 a day on your teeth? All that acid, there's potential. You could have that argument to a degree. Um, that's like the most reasonable argument. <laughs> it's everyone's looking Sorry, at the wrong dentist. ways. Everyone's looking at the wrong places, and the the truth is a lot more comfortable. The truth is yep. a lot more tasty. Oh, 100 percent. So. Diet so is delicious. Who 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 are you kidding? It tastes just the same as regular. So, what is next for you, David Roden? What are you doing here? What's 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 next on the list? What do you have coming? So I have a documentary coming out um, called The Anti-Diet Diet Club. It's going to be on either Netflix or Amazon. We're in post-production now. The private premiere will be in January. We have six people who have lost between 150 and 300 pounds um, from, and sustained it for a significant amount of years. And I, we have Lane Norton as a part of the documentary mm-hmm. and then also Dr. Nadalski. And it's going to be the most objective, honest look at extreme weight loss. Um, the emotional side, the nutritional side. We don't really get into physical too much. Um, but the emotional the nutritional part. side. I know. We don't, we don't really go into it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's coming out here. And then I am in the process of – because I, I really backed off of one-on-one coaching and stuff because it's just not scalable. Um, and so I'm in the process of building out a – better, more impactful community into app program out there to really scale. Um, that'll be coming out in the next probably six months. Um, I have a nonprofit coming together to help facilitate excess skin removal surgeries. So that's pretty dope. That's incredible. 
Yeah. And so I'm just trying to help people. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, those are a couple things on the horizon. And I want to do another book because this year marked the 10 years down 200 pounds. Um, And so I was thinking about doing another book, publishing another book next year on like 200 pounds of weight loss over 10 years. What are my thoughts type deal? What's the first one called? Uh, It's called Drop the Baggage from Suicidal Obesity to a Life of Health and Happiness. And where can we get that? Amazon. Amazon. Perfect. Like everything. Just like everything. You get everything on Amazon. And to be honest, I don't talk about my book too much because I wrote that. I published my first book four and a half years ago. And mm-hmm. there's a couple there's a couple nutritional things in it. I back everything by by clinical data. But at the same time, I was a little I had some del- I had some zealotry four and a half, five years ago. We grow. Um, yeah. So we like grow, I talk about the, yeah, I talk about the fat yeah. insulin model a little bit. I don't again, I don't hard do things but um that's why i don't really talk about my book too much anymore because i've grown from it but that's life hey this it's a it's a good learning you know you you can release another book you can release more videos you've got you know Mm -hmm. more of an audience now than ever it's there's always an opportunity to grow and to correct ourselves and there's never a bad time to say i was wrong Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and i you've talked about this too you've touched on it a little bit where you know like stoicism Yep. We're, I'm a huge advocate. Yeah. People will sort of lay their, you know, stick their flag in the sand no matter what, even if they know they're wrong, just because it, there's this weird idea that you can't change course. It's, oh, look at that. Like, like that person just changed what they were talking about. They were talking about something different 10 years ago, and now they're talking about something new today. It's like, yeah, because we, yep. we learn new things. It, isn't it great that somebody changed their mind on something? No. Yeah, and it's and it's it's a weird concept. It's totally okay to have to not have an opinion on something you're not educated mm-hmm. in. It's a weird concept to people. Like, yeah. hey, well, I'm just giving my opinion. You don't even have to. Just so you're no. aware, <laughs> there are certain things that you know I'm not talking about right now because I'm not educated on those things. Yep. The push to have an opinion on something is pushing people who do a lot less research than you and me to have very vocal opinions. About things that are, you know, that the truth. There, are, there are lives on the line. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not in a position to be able to talk about that. I talk about the things I know about. And when I don't know something, I say it. Yep. Me and too. That's how we grow. What's the best truck out there? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. I've, I know Elon Musk just released the cyber truck and it looks kind of weird. Yeah, it's, I would agree. That's, <laughs> that's about it. I, so in the spirit of uh, needing a plan... Yep. Uh, we, hopefully, we will have people writing their plans. As of right now, the show has not been released, um, mm-hmm. but it's about to be. Um, so at this point, I'm hoping people will be writing their plans along with me. What would you give to someone to add to their plan? It doesn't have to be you know, the, the header of the things that they do in their plan. It just has to be something that you feel would be a good addition to someone trying to change their life for the better. How am I going to sustain this for the next 30 years? It's the number one thing. Because it, it, it's just what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Weight loss is actually secondary. Because if you're not going to maintain it, what's the fucking point? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, oh, cool. You lost 100 pounds for the fourth time. So what? Like, so the, it's for me, you have to have the end in mind from day one. Like, 
is the now again is every single day going to be sunshine and rainbows do you always make the best food decisions are you always super excited for everything you're eating do you always excited for the gym no not necessarily but if you are white knuckling it where you are purely doing it on just grit and grit alone and you're like i hate this 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 you're fucked you're, you, there's no way there's no way you're doing this for the next 30 years with that type of mindset with that type of focus no. with that type of habit and so ha- you have to have somewhat of an end in mind of like is this process i'm doing enjoyable can i can i create sustainability from this mm-hmm. and that's where sometimes diet mentalities do have their place where it's like intermittent fasting doesn't feel restrictive to me that and it, and it helps me control my calories blah 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 I like this because this helps me with my restriction, like not feeling. That's totally fine. You have to come into it going that diets don't work. I'm building a lifestyle. So let's put some pillars in place and figure out how I can enjoy the process while making progress. It's got to be a diet you enjoy, not just a diet that'll work. Because the one that'll work is the one that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's if intermittent fasting works for you, go ahead and do it. I, I think saying... Being on a diet that you enjoy is going to work. People will say, well, oh, then I just like I enjoy ice cream and I enjoy pizza. You would not be listening to this podcast if that was the case. You wouldn't have made it an hour and 20 minutes into this had you liked emotional eating. You know, I I had somebody come into my um, my live stream earlier today and said, like, you know, how do I stop emotional eating? I said, well, we, we have to address the emotions. Where is it coming? Because, yep. you know, they're trying to ask about like a diet for emotional eating. It's not about a diet. And they said, well, you know, it, it makes me feel better. No, it doesn't because we wouldn't be talking right now if it does or if it did. So why is it that we're doing this? Why are we doing things that are intentionally hurting us? It's not because you like sweets or because you like overeating. Because, again, we wouldn't be talking if you did. So mm-hmm. what are we using the food for? Yep. And it's it what all comes down to habits and finding sustainability. So that's why we can't we also can't replace those habits with things that suck. Like you said before, if it's all tasteless nutritional mass, it we're not going to stick to it. Yep. Good so luck. moderation, patience and kindness. It's like fitness routine. Mm-hmm. I like bodybuilding. That is a process that brings me the most joy. Some people like working out in groups, work out in groups. You like working out alone, work out alone. If you like mm-hmm. to Never associate the word working out with fitness. Don't. Go for a hike. Have fun. Have a lot of sex. You can burn some calories with sex. It's a great core workout. Squeeze the glutes. Like, I don't care. Fantastic workout. I got to try that. I'm a savage. <laughs> See if I what can a good way to end try it. that workout at some point. Put it on my plan. <laughs> Burn 222 calories a day through sex. Yeah, what, what app do I, do I need to get for that one? <laughs> oh, yeah, Tinder's my workout app. Cool. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Where can everybody find you? Because they need to. Because you need to be yes. on everybody's plans. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, all my social media platforms, fit underscore DRock, um, TikTok, Instagram, David Roden. Um, yeah. David Roden, thank you so much. For joining, it was today. a pleasure. Come back anytime. I appreciate you being here. And I had a great time too. Be kind to yourself, to David Roden. Be kind to yourself, and um, have yourself a zero sugar sprite. Unless you're a lab rat, then maybe don't do that. Uh, I don't know. I, I should. If I had about forty eight more, maybe I'd have an issue. <laughs>
anything. I hope you got something great out of that, because I know I did. How lucky are we to get to have these conversations together? You can connect with me on TikTok and Instagram, at Mike Needs a Plan, and join hundreds of people living their healthiest lives on our free Discord page at tiny.cc slash mikeweightloss. Remember, we can't turn this all around by tomorrow. But isn't it great that we don't have to? Be kind to yourself, and we'll plan again together next week on Mike Needs a Plan. Thank you. <laughs>